polarizing. Wow! Just do a search on Twitter of Matt Kelly. See what comes up. Flames! Lightning bolts! Zoo animals! People are mad at me. Ooh! Unreasonably upset. And I love it. Of course I love it. Basking in the glow of the free promotion. And I have no desire whatsoever to tweet about it. Right. Oh, must defend yourself on Twitter. Defend yourself, Fantasy Mansion. No, I don't need to. That's not what I use Twitter for. Twitter beefs are universally lame. Even the coolest people in the world that participate in Twitter beefs end up looking lame. So there's no way that I am going to tweet a defense. No. Fortunately, we have the backstage pass. The Backstage Pass is the fourth show that we do every week that's just for the patrons, just for the true supporters of the show. Go to patreon.com, type in Podfather, and you can join the listener community. It's the best listener community of all time. I'm willing to state that flatly. Do you have a trade question? Put it on Patreon. And myself and other members of the community will comment on it. Incredibly active and vibrant community. If you like this show, you should join. Again, patreon.com, search Podfather. In the last backstage pass, I gave my full side of the story, my perspective on the latest beefs that have outraged members of football Twitter. Yes, yes, they're upset. I crossed the line. Just can't deal with Matt Kelly's shtick anymore. He went too far. <laughs> so that's why we had the backstage pass. It gives me a platform to let me tell the true supporters of the show what I really think. If you don't support the show on Patreon, you'll never know. Today is going to be a short show. We have a sick child in the house. But I have a few players I want to talk about. Kenny Galladay and Mac Hollins. Kenny Galladay and Mac Hollins are intriguing. And they have a lot in common. Kenny Galladay is old, but he doesn't have a late breakout age. He broke out at 19.8, 68th percentile, but he's now 23.5. So Kenny Galladay is going to be 24 years old at some point during his rookie season. But when you go to playerprofiler.com and you look at his college production, dominant! 41.8% dominator rating, 83rd percentile. So he has an upper percentile college dominator and a relatively early breakout age. He also has an exceptional athletic profile because when you adjust for size, his 40 time becomes a 110.7 height adjusted speed score, 92nd percentile. This is Quincy Inunua height adjusted speed score territory. And that's all we're looking for in the fourth round of Dynasty Rookie Drafts. Find the next Quincy Inunua. And the next Quincy Inunua in this draft is Kenny Galladay. He's even bigger than Inunua. He's 6'4". This guy's 6'4". And he dominated the competition at Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is not a Division Three program. Northern Illinois simply is not a Power 5 conference school. But a lot of schools aren't Power 5 conference schools. Boise State's not a Power 5 conference school. The competition that Northern Illinois plays is much more similar to who the University of Texas plays, who Baylor plays, than you might initially believe. Northern Illinois is known for scheduling difficult out-of-conference games, and their competition in conference is not as anemic as you might think. Oh, Northern Illinois. No, it's, it's a legit program. And Kenny Galladay's a legit wide receiver with a 10-17, 78th percentile catch radius. So what boxes does Kenny Galladay not check? He just happens to be old. 
We talked about this with Josh Doxson last year. He happens to be old, but he broke out at a very early age at Wyoming before he transferred. Life intervened on Josh Doxson, and he didn't end up reaching the NFL until relatively late in life for a rookie wide receiver. The same is true for Kenny Galladay. There isn't one red flag on his profile other than his current age. But that's the reason why so many were enthusiastic about Sterling Shepard last year. He played all four years of college, so he's polished and he's ready to contribute on day one. Tell me why Kenny Galladay won't be starting in three receiver sets for the Lions this year. Explain this to me. Who else is going to take that job from Kenny Galladay? I think he will be installed as the starting receiver in three receiver sets as early as the first week of training camp. That's why we have Kenny Galladay in our top 12 wide receivers on the playerprofiler.com rookie rankings. Check them out, playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings, and there you will see Kenny Galladay ahead of Cooper Cup. Kenny Galladay ahead of Amara Darbo. Kenny Galladay ahead of Ardarius Stewart. Kenny Galladay ahead of Chad Hansen, because of course he is. Kenny Galladay is a much more impressive wide receiver in a vacuum, and he landed in an incredible situation. Matthew Stafford is in the top 10 in the NFL in pass attempts every season. The Lions run three wide receiver sets a lot. So no matter what you're looking at, you're looking at year one opportunity, you're looking at the player's athletic profile, you're looking at the player's college dominance, you're looking at the player's supporting cast. I mean, there's nothing not to like on the Kenny Galladay profile. And a player that's a lot more similar to Kenny Galladay than anyone is talking about is Mac Hollins. I've been quietly stashing Mac Hollins across my dynasty leagues because why not? He's another guy that stands 6'4", 220 pounds, and has a 90th percentile height-adjusted speed score just like Kenny Galladay. The difference is Mac Hollins was not a dominant college player. And he didn't break out until he was 21 years old. But there are some interesting and intriguing metrics on his college profile. Yards per reception for Mac Hollins, 22.1. And don't forget, Mac Hollins operated in that North Carolina passing game that also included Ryan Switzer and also included Bug Howard. So if you're going to excuse away any player's college dominator rating from the 2017 rookie class, it would be Switzer, Howard, and Hollins. Look at the situation that Mac Hollins landed in. Not that bad. Alshon Jeffrey signed a one-year deal with the Eagles. He could easily be gone at the end of the season. Jordan Matthews' time with the Eagles could be up as soon as this summer. We're already hearing rumors circulating about the Eagles possibly trading Jordan Matthews. He's on the block! Who else is in that passing game? Torrey Smith? Child, please. I actually don't mind Torrey Smith as a late-round flyer, just in case Jordan Matthews does get traded. Then Torrey Smith becomes the number two option for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz could easily take a step forward this year. So the ceiling for Mac Hollins is higher than most of the wide receivers in this draft class. That's why you chase the ceiling with your final roster spot. I'm in Dynasty Leagues where we roster 25 to 35 players. With player number 35, why not chase the 6'4", 220-pound wide receiver with a 90th percentile height-adjusted speed score 
on a team with a relatively thin wide receiver depth chart, particularly when you look forward to 2018. In 2018, you could argue the Eagles will have the thinnest wide receiver depth chart in the NFL. And Matt Collins would fit perfectly as the replacement X receiver in that passing game if Alshon Jeffrey goes to a different team next season. So stash him. We're going to find out very soon whether or not he will be an impact player. It's going to be apparent in training camp and at the beginning of the season based on what the Eagles are telling us with the media reports and with their depth chart. And by the way, our depth charts illuminate just how easy it's going to be for Mac Hollins to achieve a significant target share in the near future. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash depth dash charts and there you will see the Philadelphia Eagles depth chart. At the wide receiver position, you have Alshon Jeffrey, Jordan Matthews, Torrey Smith, and then it's Doriel Green Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, and Bryce Treggs. Those are the wide receivers that Mac Hollins has to supplant in training camp. Bryce Treggs, Nelson Aguilar, and Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, Doriel Green Beckham and Mac Hollins had similar seasons coming out of the collegiate ranks, but now we know that Doriel Green Beckham is an inefficient wide receiver. He showed it on the field. Doriel Green Beckham struggles to play the sport of football. We don't know what Mac Hollins is. I'll take the unknown in Mac Hollins over the known size speed specimen in Doriel Green Beckham all day long. And when you're in the back half of these dynasty drafts, you're looking for the players with quality profiles in a vacuum and hidden opportunity. Do you know the quarterback that has hidden opportunity that literally no one is talking about? Because I haven't even talked about him, and I know if I'm not talking about him, no one's going to talk about him. It's Chad Henney. There's a new coaching staff in Jacksonville. No one there is loyal to Blake Bortles. If he plays poorly in the first two games of the season and costs Jacksonville wins, why wouldn't Tom Coughlin replace him? It's very easy to imagine Chad Henney starting games in the second half of the 2017 season, and he gets to throw the ball to Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns and Leonard Fournette. Even a replacement level starting quarterback would be a fantasy asset with that weaponry. Now, what about running back? Devontae Booker. Well, C.J. Anderson's there. C.J. Anderson is just a guy. In the last two seasons, C.J. Anderson has been exposed as just a guy. Negative 10.3 production premium last season, 53rd in the NFL. So in any given down and distance, the production premium tells you how C.J. Anderson is doing on a per-touch basis versus his peers at the position across the NFL. He's outside the top 50. He only broke three runs last year. Three breakaway runs total for C.J. Anderson last year. Just not an efficient player. Wasn't in 2016, wasn't in 2015. I know you're going to say, well, geez, uh, 4.7 yards per carry was pretty good in 2015. Yeah, but his yards per touch was only 5.1, and he had a negative production premium. So when you factor out the situation in which you're running the ball, the 4.7 yards per carry, not as impressive. That's why we have advanced efficiency metrics to expose the C.J. Andersons of the world. He was not a dominant college running back. He's not a good athlete. Many of you were fooled by an impressive small sample size in 2015. And slowly, year by year, the fantasy football community is coming to terms with C.J. Anderson's mediocrity. But we're a long way away from knowing what Devontae Booker is. Devontae Booker has the draft capital over C.J. Anderson. Devontae Booker was a fourth-round pick and a dominant college runner, 40% college dominator, and was exceptional out of the backfield at Utah 
14.3% college target share, 90th percentile in college. But last year was inefficient. 174 carries, only 3.5 yards per carry. So he had an inefficient rookie season. But so did Le'Veon Bell, so did Matt Forte, so did a number of stud running backs. It's not surprising that a running back would struggle to run efficiently as a rookie. Football's hard. And the Denver offensive line was doing Devontae Booker no favors. 77.9, number 26 offensive line, run blocking efficiency grade on playerprofiler.com. That's why Devontae Booker couldn't reach 10 fantasy points per game last year. I'm not saying he was efficient. He was not. But neither was C.J. Anderson. So for me, it's a coin flip between Devontae Booker and C.J. Anderson. Yet there is a wide disparity in both their dynasty and redraft ADPs. And that's an arbitrage opportunity. And as I talked about on the last show, Michael Campanaro is my favorite late round wide receiver stash because there's significant hidden opportunity staring at Michael Campanaro and the beat reporters are already talking about him having a breakout season. It's already happening. The buzz has already started. Campanaro, Campanaro, Campanaro. He's perfectly suited to be the Ravens slot receiver and the Ravens led the NFL in pass attempts last season. And Michael Campanaro is not an Adam Humphreys level, replacement level Slot receiver, Michael Campanaro has Julian Edelman's athletic profile. So get Michael Campanaro on your fantasy teams. And when you look at the tight end position, two tight ends you need to be picking up. Number one, Deion Sims. Deion Sims is the favorite to be the starter in Chicago. You think they're going to get the starting job to a rookie from a small school, Adam Shaheen? No. And Zach Miller was a bridge tight end. I like Zach Miller's athletic profile. But Zach Miller is going to be 33 during the season. And no one thinks of Zach Miller as the answer at tight end in Chicago. So if we put Zach Miller off to the side, and we put Adam Shaheen off to the side, who makes the most sense to be the starting tight end for the Chicago Bears? Of course it's Deion Sims. And Deion Sims broke out last year. Like, it happened. So that's the beauty of Deion Sims is we already know he broke out, but he landed on a depth chart in Chicago that's muddled. So we can take advantage of that ambiguity and get Deion Sims at the end of drafts. Deion Sims plus 18.8 production premium last season, 74.3% catch rate. Those were both top 10 in the NFL. He had an exceptionally efficient season as a 25-year-old, and now he's 26. This is when tight ends come into their prime. He has speed, the athleticism, 103.7, 70th percentile height-adjusted speed score because of the size, 6'5", 262. So Deion Sims looks the part of an every-down, every-situation playmaker at the tight end position I think Deion Sims will be a tight end one in fantasy this year and if you want to go deeper Neil Sterling who's the starting tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars any idea anybody nobody knows they have no proven performers at that position Neil Sterling is a move tight end 6'4 235 so he's not an inline guy he's not going to be in there in all game situations 
he's not going to be the guy they're throwing to in the red zone. He's a move tight end. He's much more similar to Cameron Brait. But Cameron Brait was a tight end one in fantasy last season. And Neil Sterling was a dominant college producer, 28.9% dominator rating, 84th percentile, with a 16.5 college yards per reception. That's the same yards per reception that David Njoku posted. And Neil Sterling has an 1132 agility score, 80th percentile. We love agile tight ends. And he has that 1015, 77th percentile catch radius. So I'm betting on a tight end to emerge as Blake Bortles' go-to receiver underneath Maybe Chad Henney's go-to receiver underneath. It's actually Neil Sterling. 